This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. And you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up? What's up? What's up? How we doing? How we doing? And welcome to episode two hundred and five, episode two hundred five of the Banner Panther Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a great weekend. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter eighteen or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And as you know, I'm part of the Big Night Media team with some great podcasts like Be Fit, Daycations, Music You're Missing, the Wicked Fast Podcast, No Limits with Kevin Cooney, A Chance to Strive, Thirty Flirty and Surviving. I'm the promoter. He's the DJ. Eat the damn cake and drinks after work if you're in our sports cards you can always check out card vault breaks every single day of the week whatnot youtube instagram facebook you name it they're there and you can always go visit them in person as well down at card vault at patriot place and card vault down at foxwoods resort casino down in connecticut and you can always follow big night media at big night media on instagram and check out timmy ticket tuesday every single tuesday you can get free tickets to big night live which is a great concert venue right next to td garden so check that out and you can always support the podcast by purchasing some merchandise at big night shop dot com great that's over and done with how's everyone doing sorry if i sound a little groggy i just woke up from a nap you know wanting to give you my full energy for the podcast so let's get right to it the boston celtics currently 37 and 16 now only one game up on the milwaukee bucks they are two and a half games up on the philadelphia 76ers and what do you know before the all-star break the Celtics have to play the Bucks and the 76ers, which are going to be huge, crucial, very important games. And the Bucks, they're nine and one in their last ten games. The Philadelphia 76ers, they're eight, they're uh, eight and two, and your Boston Celtics are six and four. This is what kind of scares me a little bit. Giannis has just lost his mind as of late. He scored 50 points again. I think that was the third time he scored 50 points this season or the third time since the calendar year has started he scored 50 points. Giannis in his last 10 games is averaging 39 points and 15 rebounds. What? That's insane. 39-15. And then Joel Embiid is averaging 33 points and 10 boards in his last 10 games. And then Jalen and Jason, you know, they've been good. Uh, but they're not putting up those numbers. And I understand, you know, Giannis has to do that because Chris Middleton's hurt. And Drew Holiday, who uh, made the all-star team, is playing great as well. But clearly not to those numbers. So I understand two is better than one. But whew, but it's, it's a little nerve-wracking because now you're going to ask yourself, what's going to happen before the all-star break? Are the Celtics going to be the number one seed by the time everyone goes to Salt Lake City for the All-Star game? I don't know. I mean, 
I'm confident, but it's definitely in the back of my mind because the Celtics have the Pistons, 76ers, Hornets, Grizzlies, Bucks, and Pistons. Two out of the four, or I'm sorry, two out of the six are on the road, the other four are at home. So you're like, okay, Pistons should be a win, Hornets should be a win, the other Pistons game should be a win. So you figure they should get at least three wins right there, right? And then the Grizzlies, Bucks, and 76ers. Grizzlies haven't played well of late lately. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so, okay, so let's say they go four and two. The Bucks, they're out on a West Coast road trip. They got the Trailblazers, Lakers, Clippers, Celtics, and Bulls. They beat the Trailblazers. They beat the Lakers. Let's say they beat the, the let's say they lose to the Clippers, and then the Bulls, they sh- they'll probably win because it's right. It's the game right before the All Star break. Who gives a shit at that point? So, the Celtics are going to have to beat the Bucks, and then the 76ers have the Celtics, Knicks, Nets, Rockets, and Cavs. Nets are clearly in shambles. We'll talk about that in a second. They did just lose to the Knicks. That being the 76ers, they lost to the New York Knicks last night. And then the Rockets and the Cavs. Those are easy wins. So, well, I don't know. I mean, the Cavs have been playing pretty well. But then when you think about it, what's the situation going to be with the tiebreakers? How important are these two games for the All-Star break? The Celtics and the 76ers have to play each other three more times. The Bucks play the Celtics two more times. And then the 76ers and the Bucks play two more times as well. So... Obviously, the positive is the Celtics have already beat these teams once already. So to get a win against these teams before the All-Star break is huge because you beat the Bucs, you own the tiebreaker because you only play the Bucs three times this year. So the fact that you're up 2-0 right then and there, boom, tiebreaker. If you guys end with the same record at the regular season, that could make or break home court for the Eastern Conference Finals. It really could. And then if you beat the 76ers, you then split the tiebreaker, which is great because then it would be based on division record. And I believe right now the Celtics have a much better division record than the Philadelphia 76ers. So, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to like harp over it because I know it's not the end of the world because after the All-Star break, there's still a lot of basketball to play. But I much, much, much would rat like... Uh, what's the best way to put this? I would rather <laughs> have the Celtics up four games than one game. Obviously, that's why you come to this podcast. Super hot takes. But if you want to talk about another thing that's annoying me, minus you know the 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 standings getting sh- smaller and smaller by the second, or the gap in the standings getting smaller and smaller by the second, the ball movement has left this basketball team, and it's driving me crazy. The ISO ball has returned. It's so annoying, and hopefully before the All-Star break, things can change. The last five games, the Celtics are averaging 21 assists per game. That's it, including two games under 20 assists. That ain't going to cut it. Seriously. And then you look at the Philadelphia 76ers, and you're like, well, their last five games, they're averaging 28 assists per game. And four out of those five games, they've had, uh, what did I read, 28 assists or more. One of the games, they had 31 assists. The Celtics used to do that this season, and now they haven't. So the Celtics need to get back to work on that as soon as possible. And Joe Mazzulla is an important part of that. He has to force the iso ball to go away. And by the way, congratulations to Joe Mazzulla, who will be coaching Team Giannis at the All-Star Game. Pretty cool. I mean, interim head coach, first year, coach of the All-Star Game. That's insane. So Joe Mazzulla has a, I, in my opinion has a big situation to figure out and it could make or break 
what's going to happen. So when you look at this past week, we I'm going to look back on this loss to the Philadelphia uh, to the Phoenix Suns because come April, if this team isn't a top one or two seed and they only lose, you know, let's say they finish second and it's only by a game, and I'm going to be like, yeah, I know they beat the Nets. They destroyed them. That was great. They beat Kyrie. Woohoo. Who gives a fuck? They shot the ball well. Oh, my God. They also took a million threes, and luckily they all went in. But they showed once again, as of late, they can't hit the three-pointer consistently. And I think that's a big reason why they lost to the Suns. The last 15 games, the Celtics have shot 36% from three, which is 19th in the league, or the 11th worst shooting team in the NBA. The Bucks, they have not only taken the most three-pointers in the last 15 games, but they're also making 44% of them. That's insane. So it's the Bucks are doing what the Celtics did earlier in the season by making a lot of threes. And the 76ers are playing the style of basketball that got the Celtics to where they are right now, which is first place in the Eastern Conference. And literally, the Celtics are doing neither of them, and now the 76ers and the Bucks are catching up to them. Because this loss to the Phoenix Suns the other night was so annoying. No Devin Booker, no Cam Johnson, and they literally flew here across the country because it was like their first game on their West Coast road trip. And you score 20 points in one quarter and 21 in another quarter, which is a joke. So losses like the other night when they should have won because they had a full roster, for the most part, minus Marcus Smart, is ridiculous. And they have to stop playing down to competition. They really and truly do. And the the craziest part about it is, and what makes me a little bit nervous since they do play down to competition, according to tankathon.com, great website, the Celtics have the 17th easiest schedule left in the NBA. The 76ers are first, and the Bucks are eighth. So the Celtics have a huge advantage here for the rest of the way. But can they, like, when... They play the Pistons tonight, if you're listening on Monday. Can they just beat the shit out of them? Because they better, and they should. The Pistons are not good. Same thing with the Hornets later on this week. Beat them. Stop playing down to your competition. And I get it. The Suns are a playoff team. I'm not saying they suck, but the Celtics are better than them. And the Celtics need to win those type of games. And that's why the Bucs and the 76ers are slowly creeping back in. And listen, I know if Marcus Smart was playing, things would most likely be different. But that's life in the NBA. Steph Curry just got hurt. He's going to be out for a long, long time. And I'm listen, hopefully Marcus can play Wednesday. He's not playing tonight against the Pistons, and that's fine. Hopefully he comes back Wednesday, but or at least against the Bucks. Just something is very, very important going forward. And now the Celtics have to keep their eyes, or they, I was going to say, you have to keep their eyes in the back of the head. But the correct saying would be they now have to be looking over their shoulder, and I don't think they play very well that way as a team, but that's fine. The other thing we got to talk about is this Kyrie Irving trade that happened yesterday and how it affects the Boston Celtics moving forward. For those of you that don't know, Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris got traded to the Dallas Mavericks for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, and some draft picks in the first and second round. So right then and there, Kyrie re, uh, requested for a trade early in the week. He didn't like the extension that the Nets gave him. And now the NBA trade deadline, which is on Thursday, could really just... This could... This is going to do one of two things. 
it's either going to do nothing to the league or the league is going to be flipped upside down and there's going to be trades made left and right. But right off the bat, I want to say to myself, okay, the Nets got worse, which is great for the Celtics, but oh, wait, you've already played them four times this year. No, I'm sorry, three times this year. And you've beat them every single time. And now you only have to play them one more time. And that sucks because I think the 76ers have to play them two or three more times. So those are like most likely easy wins for them. You get what I'm saying? But what I want to focus on here real quick before we spiral a little bit more over this is now that Kyrie is on the West, and even though it's Team Giannis and Team LeBron and there's a draft, and Steph Curry's hurt, does Kyrie replace Steph Curry and then Jalen replaces Kyrie and now the Celtics have two starters in the NBA All-Star game. I mean, that would be pretty cool to have Jalen and Jason both starting. That They'd be the only teammates that were starting, I believe, right? If you think about it. Yeah, that'd be crazy. So I'm interested to see how the NBA handles this Kyrie Irving situation from an All-Star standpoint because, all right, Steph's hurt. He's on the West. Move Kyrie over. And then you add, you know, James Harden to the East All-Star team, and now everything's still the same because they're all guards, and then Jalen's your starter. I think that'd be fun. But who knows if the NBA will do it. Maybe they'll just grab someone from the West and they'll just let the players draft because it doesn't matter if you're East or West now except for the voting. Yeah, it's, it's just all very weird. So with this move, how does this Kyrie Irving trade affect the Boston Celtics? Because listen... I don't care about the Kyrie Irving off the court stuff. Kyrie Irving's a phenomenal basketball player. And if you're one of those people that doesn't believe it, you're a fucking idiot. So now it's clearly just a three-team race. No offense to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I just think they're a little bit too far back with how well the Celtics, the Bucks, and the 76ers are. So now it's what team is going to be more aggressive at this trade deadline? And I don't know who. I don't know who. Because... We all know the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Suns are being very aggressive in all trade talks. And supposedly, the Clippers sent a very strong offer to the Brooklyn Nets for Kyrie Irving. And Jay Crowder has been linked to the Bucks, which would be a huge boost for them, especially with Chris Middleton being injured so much. So what can the Celtics do? How can the Celtics improve this roster? Now, since the race to home court might be more important than ever, especially in the East, be, you know, I think the Celtics need a big man. I think we can all agree with that. We'd like to have some uh, some insurance for Rob and Al. That makes a ton of sense. But I also think they need wing depth just as much. And listen, I'm not into rumors. I have ne- If you've listened to this podcast, I have never been into rumors. I hate them. I think it's a waste of time. Do I read them on Twitter? And I go, oh, that'd be fun. But I'll never talk about them on this podcast. And speaking of a podcast, I know Peyton Pritchard recently went on some podcasts stating that he wants a bigger role on a bigger team. He doesn't know if he's going to be coming back next season, all that. So it would be interesting to see if some team bites. And then could number 12 be available too? Clearly not having a great last few weeks or months. And he could be looking for big money this summer because of his previous seasons, which is understandable. But if he's looking for $17 million a year and he keeps playing the way that he is, why would the Celtics give him that money? So would another team give him that money if we can get a maybe a taller version of number 12? That'd be interesting. And then what about Gallinari? There's, there was a report out saying that the players are like are huge fans of Gallinari and how hard he's been working to come back and playing this season. So if you get rid of him, would that shake things up in the locker room? 
that'd be interesting because clearly you're not trading Rob and Al and Derek and Malcolm and the Jays and Marcus. I get that. But the question is, do you want the Jays to get some help and some rest so they're ready to go for this insane playoff run, hopefully? Or do you want Rob and Al, the, uh, Rob and Al to be as healthy as possible? So obviously there's no back-to-backs in the playoffs, so that's obviously good for Al, but Rob can't do this every single night, 30 minutes a night. He just can't do it. And Brad Stevens is in a very tough spot. And how much is he willing to spend? How much is Wick, Grossbeck, going to say, go ahead and do what you got to do? Is Brad ready to give up some future draft picks in the first round for a banner? And the list goes on and on. But this Kyrie Irving trade over the next 96 hours or so until the trade deadline ends on Thursday could change the, could really change the league around a lot, especially in the East. And one move could really make or break this great 50-some-odd games for the Boston Celtics so far because another team could get better and the Celtics could take a step back or vice versa. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Brad Stevens, Wick, Wick Grosbeck, and the rest of the Celtics handle this trade deadline coming forward. And now let's do Stud and Dud of the Week. Hit the music. And now it is time for the Celtics Stud and the Celtics Dud. Of the week. Okay, your stud and dud of the week for Banner Banter episode 205. I don't know. I've I have like half a stud here and half a stud there. Jalen Brown, congratulations on making the all-star team. Super happy for him. But I really think for the second straight week, your stud of the week is Derek White. And nothing against Jalen Brown, but the way he shot the ball against the Phoenix Suns was a turnoff. Yes, I understand him and Jason Tatum were the first Celtics teammates in Celtics history to hit seven threes or more, both in the same game. Blah, 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 blah. I get it. So, but Derek White, he was consistent all week. Derek White against the Nets, 14 points, 10 boards, five assists, was a plus 34. Love it. Versus the Suns, 19 points, five boards, and a couple of assists. But Tatum and Brown in the Suns game sucked. They couldn't hit. They literally couldn't hit the side of a building. It was insane. And Derek White is playing consistent basketball right now. And until Derek White stops playing consistent basketball, he's going to be the side of the week. He's a great defender, blocks shots. Could he have done a better job on Chris Paul? Sure, absolutely. I'll give him that. Um, but yeah, so side of the week. I mean, it was only two games. One of them was great, and one of them was bad, and Derek White just played good in both. So it's not a great reason for stud of the week, but here we are. And the dud of the week is Jason Tatum's three-point shooting because it's getting worse and worse by the second. And I, I know he was 7 out of 12 from three versus the Nets, but if you take away that game, the four games before that, he has shot 34% from three. He was like, I think he was like 14 of 42 or something. And then after the Nets game, he follows that up with a 3 of 10 shooting performance. So you add add all that up, he's shooting 33% from 3 in the last 5 games outside of the Nets game. Like, and listen, he's still getting the free throw line. I'm telling you this right now. He only, I think he was 3 of 15 versus the Suns. So bad. But he ended up with like 21, 22 points, if not more, because he, he took 12 free throws. Jason, go to the line more. And clearly, you just... Take a step in. Get into the rhythm. See the ball go in. Like, he, it's just, I love Jason Tatum. I love him. 
I love them. I literally, yesterday was my niece's sixth birthday party, and I literally bought her a Jason Tatum jersey. She wanted a Jalen Brown jersey. I bought her a Jason Tatum jersey. It's just kind of how I roll. I'm biased because I'm a Duke fan. <laughs> Suck at UNC. And uh, I was just like, you're getting a Jason Tatum jersey. Just how it is. But Jason Tatum has to be better from three if he's going to be taking all these goddamn three-pointers. Go like go to the elbow. Catch the ball. Remember when Jason Tatum used to catch the ball like in the post and you would have that fade away and you'd be like, there is no one that can guard him. Or maybe he would spin around and take it to the rim and get fouled and get some free throws. Give me that, Tatum. Give me that, Jason Tatum, any day of the week. And then, you know, if Jason Tatum took, let's say Tatum took 12 threes a game, okay? Give me eight now and just take those other four, at, you know, at the elbow, at the rim, whatever. Just, just stop taking so many threes and stop playing iso ball. Just attack the rim. God. Anyways, let's talk about the four games that the uh, Celtics have this week. Three out of those four will be at TD Garden. So if you're there, hope to see you there. Uh, the first game is tonight versus the Detroit Pistons at 7 p.m. And you have to win this game. I don't care who's playing for them. I don't care who's hurt for them. I really don't. Uh, obviously, if someone's hurt, I hope they have a help, happy and healthy recovery. But this team needs to beat the Pistons because the Pistons are not good. The Celtics are good. You have to take this game seriously. You just can't be like, oh, one game road trip. Yawn, who cares? Can't happen. It, it just can't happen. And then you have the Philadelphia 76ers on Wednesday night at TD Garden at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. And then after that, another ESPN game against the Charlotte Hornets at 7.30 p.m. at TD Garden. And finally, Brandon Clark and the Memphis Grizzlies come to town on Super Bowl Sunday at 2 p.m. on ABC, also at TD Garden. So let's just talk about the Hornets game real quick, and then we'll talk about the more important games, the Bucks and um, I'm sorry, not the Bucks, the Grizzlies and the 76ers. So listen, the Hornets stink. We all know that LaMelo Ball hasn't playing some great basketball as of late. I think he dropped like 33 some odd points the other night, but they stink. Last time these two teams played, Jason Tatum dropped 50 points. I was there. It was beautiful. And they did that without Jalen Brown. Obviously, it's probably why Tatum dropped 50. He beat them twice in their place less than a month ago. You just can't lose to him. Yeah, they have talent. Obviously, one of the talents is P.J. Washington that is rumored to be with the Celtics in trade talks. Don't believe it. But you just can't lose to them. They have talent. They hustle hard. Blah, 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 blah. But you're better than them. You should win. Stop playing down to your competition. They, they're very... They're a very streaky shooting team. You know, Gordon Hayward could be back for them as well. Uh, Gordon Hayward didn't play in those two games uh, in Charlotte, but Mason Plumlee is so annoying on the rebounding side of things. Vanderbilt's a great defender for them. Like, I could compliment a lot of players on the Hornets, but I could also say a million times, a million better things for the Celtics. So just beat the fucking Hornets. Okay, you have two easy games this week. Win them. Now the 76ers game, which to me I think is more important than the Bucs game. I really and truly do. The 76ers are healthy right now. They're playing arguably some of the best basketball they've played since the process has started. And Joel Embiid loves to play the Celtics. And to be honest with you, the 76ers have actually won five out of the last eight games against the Celtics. You think it'd be worse, or you think it'd be the other way around, right? <laughs> Wrong. Five out of the last eight games between the Celtics and the 76ers, the Celtics have won. I mean, the 76ers have won. So, of course, the Celtics have a huge opportunity here, and I think and I hope they will step up for it. 
This, to me, is the most important game of the season right now. Yes, the Lakers is always important, but this, for the future of this basketball team and this season, you have to win this game. Joel Embiid is playing out of his mind, like I mentioned earlier. James Harden has accepted the fact that he is the number two now on this basketball team. Tyrese Maxey off the bench is insane. You could argue he's been playing better basketball as of late than Malcolm Brogdon, and Malcolm Brogdon is clearly a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Tobias Harris, since no one really cares about him anymore, he's still playing well because they're like, oh, look, it's Tobias Harris. Who cares? And then he hits a couple shots, and then you have to start caring about him. They got some bench depth. I don't care if they just lost in the Knicks because guess what? The Celtics did too. And Thibault, very good defender, at times can slow down Jalen and Jason. Shake Milton could go off for 20 points on any night. Nian, if you leave him open, could knock down threes. Harrell is annoying. He makes the right plays, comes off the bench with a lot of energy. Uh, Shake um, DeAndre Milton. No, is that his name? Why did I just have a brain fart? But Milton is a great defender. Obviously a huge help for them offensively. And listen, Jason Tatum has to be better than Joel Embiid. Jalen Brown has to be better than James Harden. Because remember, I just named three All-Stars, and James Harden is not one of them. So you already have two All-Stars. And if everyone cares about All-Stars that much, that means more pressure is on you, Jason and Jalen. Al has, has to slow down Embiid, not stop him. It's impossible to stop Joel Embiid. He gets to the free throw line a lot. I saw a stat recently where if Joel Embiid shoots like less than 10 free throws, the 76ers stink. So defend well, and hopefully the referees are in a good mood. Malcolm and Derek have to outplay Maxi, and then you hope someone like number 12 can step up and outplay Tucker, and obviously Rob has to cause problems for everyone in the paint. This is the type of game where I want to see if the Celtics still have that fire, to see if they are going to just go through the motions and they're just waiting for the playoffs because it's going to be tough going through the motions or getting fired up in Philadelphia or Milwaukee if they're not in TD Garden. So you need to have home court advantage. So that needs to happen as soon as possible. So I'm expecting a Celtics win here. If they lose, fine, whatever. But this has to be a three-in-one week. So if you're going to lose to the 76ers, you have to beat the Grizzlies on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. I'm bringing my niece to her first game. So if you fucking lose while she's there, I'm going to be pissed. She's a winner and deserves winning. Now, the Grizzlies, they haven't been playing basketball very well as of late. And things could be getting worse for them. John Morant, after the game on January 29th versus the Pacers, confronted some of the traveling members from the Pacers, and then supposedly, or reportedly, was in an SUV where they trained a red laser on them as well. So John Morant might be getting suspended for this incident or a fine, and he who knows if he's going to play or not. So that'll be very interesting going forward. But back to on-the-court stuff. The Grizzlies recently won 11 games in a row, and since then, they are 1-8. They are not playing great basketball as of late. I don't know if that's because Steven Adams is out for a long time, but who knows? Obviously, John Morant, one of the most exciting and fun players in the league, an absolute baller, basically the new Allen Iverson, if you will. Desmond Bain can do it all, shoot from three, get others involved, defend multiple positions. Clearly, Jaron Jackson Jr. has to step up for them because Steven Adams is hurt um, and is going to be out for a long, long time. Tyus Jones, one of the most underrated backup point guards in the league, so Malcolm Brogdon will have his hands full. And then, of course, you got Brandon Clark, athletic, rebound the ball well, very good around the rim, catches alley-oops left and right. Dylan Brooks, who just got suspended for elbowing Donovan Mitchell in the dick. Um, but those three guys that I just mentioned can get double figures every single night for this team off the bench in multiple ways. So, obviously, I'm interested to see... Uh, 
Brandon Clark versus number 12. Let's see if I'm right again, but who knows. But a very important week of basketball for the for the Boston Celtics. They got to beat the 76ers and beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. And hopefully the ISO ball goes away and the ball movement returns. But that is it for episode 205 of the Banner Banter podcast. Thanks so much for listening. As always, you can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter podcast. I will be talking to you next Monday. We'll talk then. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.